gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome back to my Two Cents Podcast, episode 57, which is entitled Mixed Emotions. My am your host, G2, and before I get to my topics today, I just want to read you all the National Food Digs of the Week. Today being January the 16th, it is International Hot and Spicy Food Day. It's also Fig Newton Day. Monday, January the 17th, will be Hot Butter Rum Day. Tuesday, January 18th, Gourmet Coffee Day, as well as Peking Duck Day. Wednesday, January the 19th, Popcorn Day, Thursday, January 20th, Butter Crunch Day, and Cheese Lovers Day. Friday, January the 21st, New England Clam Chowder Day, as well as Granola Bar Day. And Saturday, January 22nd, Southern Food Day, and as well, Blonde Brownie Day. Now, with that out of the way, I wanted to title this episode Mixed Emotions because there's a couple topics on here that I believe you're not going to feel just one way about it. You're going to have mixed emotions about some of these topics. So that's the reason why I titled this episode of Mixed Emotions. But before I get into the topics, technically, this is technically one of them. But I do have to say condolences to Bob Saget. Last uh, Sunday, whenever my episode did drop, I was not able to cover uh, Bob Saget's death because it just got announced that Sunday morning. So technically, that episode was already out. So I couldn't like redo it. So I'm here today to pay Tribute to Bob Saget. Everybody knows Bob Saget is playing uh, Danny Tanner on the Full House uh, series. And he was also the first host of America's Funniest Home Videos. First time I encountered Bob Saget on television was technically Half-Baked. He was the guy that did the little uh, scene in Half-Baked. He has that one memorable scene uh, where Dave Chappelle was up there talking about that he's in rehab for marijuana, but then you got one guy from uh, MTV Real World fame coming up, and he says that uh, you're in here for marijuana while we are in here for other things, and then you get Bob Saget popping up talking to Dave and asking him, has he ever sucked uh, dude's private parts for meth, and Dave just famously says, no, no, I have not. And then you just get everybody just booing Dave Chappelle on the half-baked movies, uh, that, that scene. It's just, it's memorable to me because that's where I first saw Bob Saget. And then I started watching the Full House, like, series whenever I, like, got up in the morning because Nickelodeon used to play, like, Full House in the morning. So this was right around, what, 5 o'clock, 5.30-ish, probably around, no, no. 5.30, 6 o'clock, that's when I will get up, and then we had to wash up before we had to get out, so the bus would take us to school. Um, That was our, like, everyday situation. We get up, we watch ourselves, we watch some Full House, we watch some Nickelodeon, or if not that, we'll go to MTV, we watch some music videos, but that was all of our morning consisted of, but Full House was in that rotation. So, Bob Saget was a part of my childhood, even though, like, Full House came out, like, I believe probably years before that. Um, he passed away last Sunday, and the tragic thing about it was it was it happened so suddenly because he was in the middle of his stand-up tour and they have it 
that his next uh, scheduled dates that he was supposed to appear was on January the 28th and 29th at uh, Improv Club. But as we all know, he's never going to be able to make those appearances. It was just so weird how he passed away. It just didn't make sense. People thought it probably be some drug or some type of alcohol, but an autopsy, they did it, and there's no foul play. There's no drug or alcohol related that was in his body or in the system at the time, and they still are looking into it. They say it'll probably take 12 weeks to even come up with um, something to even figure out what happened. But it's just crazy to... Uh, just the whole idea... Of just somebody just dropping off after you just see them one day before. He was just literally performing at his comedy show the literally the night of. And then the next morning, somebody happens to go and go into his hotel room and see that he's passed and gone away. It's just so weird. Anywho, um, he was laid to rest Friday. He had close, uh, his closest friends were at his attendance, which were his full house of uh, stars, uh, castmates, and their, like, spouses were there, and you could go on People Magazine, they have him, his casket being carted off by, uh, you could see John Stamos on one side, you could see other people just, like, lifting it up as the Paul Bears for the casket. It's just weird to me. It's weird how all this comes about. Death happens so quickly. It does. And it's never really, it's never ever really just like, pow. Certain people's like, okay, you expect them because they have a disease and all right, they're going to drop off. You got to get yourself mentally prepared, but nobody's ever really mentally prepared for whenever somebody passes. But you at least have that, okay, cautionary tale. But for Bob Saget, that didn't happen. Nobody had a cautionary tale. It just popped out of nowhere. To even further my point, Dave Chappelle like talked about it Thursday at his uh, special, not a special, but a comedy event. He talked about regretting never texting Bob Saget back because I believe before Bob like died suddenly, he texted Dave Chappelle and Dave talked about how he never texted him back and he's just like, he... he mm. TMZ acquired a video and it was quoted out, man, he just texted me. And I saw the text yesterday and I never texted him back because I was just busy. It happens. He added, I'm just saying this to remind you, these moments are precious. So with that all being said, and you never ever know when somebody's going to just, when something's going to happen to somebody, please everyone. If you haven't spoken to someone in a minute, if you haven't spoken to someone in a long time, just check up on them. Again, we don't know when we're leaving out of here. We don't know. We don't want to get that phone call from a friend or get that phone call from somebody saying, hey, you know somebody passed away, right? And you get that knot in your stomach because you didn't fix this situation that you have with somebody or you didn't get to say what you needed to say, get it off your chest to someone or you just wanted to make repairs, or just wanted to see how they were doing. A telephone goes two ways. You can call them, or they can call you. It's all about making that effort just to extend that phone call or that text out. I would suggest, hey, send the text out, just give a call out, and just see what it is, all right? It's just weird. It's 
it's weird whenever somebody passes away, especially when it's sudden like this, and it was so sudden. It was so, it it's weird. Just point simple. Um, so rest in peace to Bob Saget. I want to give my condolences out to Bob Saget's uh wife and his three daughters, his three older daughters that he has, but nevertheless, uh just uh rest in peace to Bob Saget, one of America's greatest uh television dads. Now on to another topic I want to talk about here. Um, this comes from Variety as the title reads, Queen Elizabeth strips her son, Prince Andrew, of his military titles and royal patronage. Uh, it says right here, Queen Elizabeth II has removed Prince Andrew's military titles and royal passages days after it emerged that her son, who is also known as the Duke of York, will face a civil trial in New York after his motion to dismiss Virginia's uh, Griffiers. I'm sorry if I butchered your last name, a uh, sexual assault case was thrown out by a judge. A statement from the Buckingham Palace released Thursday evening, UK time reads, with the Queen's approval and agreement, the Duke of York's military affiliations and royal passages, well, patronage, have been returned to the Queen. The Duke of York will continue not to undertake any public duties and is defending this case as a private citizen. Although his HRH, his Royal Highness title, which was bestowed to him at birth, has not been removed. The prince has, at the queen's request, agreed he will no longer use the title in a professional capacity, reports to the BBC. According to ITV's royal correspondent, Chris Ship, the monarch broke the news to her second son in person on Thursday. Yo, you know what? <laughs> we're, we're finally going to get somewhere with this. Did he do it? Did he not do it? This thing has been going on what for a good almost solid year now with everybody popping out the woodwork with saying that they got touched or somebody saying, hey, yo, that I got something happened to me at um, Epstein's Island. And we're going to start seeing more celebrity people getting popped out the woodwork from this. It's just weird to me how this is all smoke and mirrors. To me, it is. I believe Prince Andrew has a good lawyer and I believe the woman's going to get some money because this is a civil trial is not a criminal thing so she's gonna get some money out of this and it's just gonna make the royal like family look bad this again as another streak onto their lineage so far because remember they still got to deal with the whole Meghan Markle and Prince Harry thing from last year and with Andrew now having to face civil trial for this in New York might I add this is gonna be weird because again I think he's been around in America for some time I think he's been able to fly in America on the low, just being able to dip and just enjoy himself in America and just live out his time. This just is weird because when have you ever heard of somebody getting their royal, like, not their title at birth because he still got his royal highness, that title, but military titles and royal, uh, like, his royal things being taken away from him and it's been, a, like, announced to the public. That doesn't happen. To me, I think it's nothing but smoke shows, to me personally. I don't trust a lot of things, especially when it comes to the upper crust and things that you can't see. The royal family, you can't see. They're all behind a big old house. In a, well, they're all behind a big old government. First and foremost, they are the government, to a degree, for one. And they all are relatively tight-lipped about a lot of things. You don't know somebody's not feeling ill until you don't see them at some type of public event for like 
three or four times, I mean, it'll go notice that, Ayo, the queen wasn't here or somebody wasn't here. But just for it to be announced that Ayo, he got his stuff, took it away from him, except for the Royal Highness title, to the public, it just seems weird to me. Again, I think he's going to have a good lawyer on this case. I think that he's going to pay off this woman some money. I believe that the court is going to see it this way. It's just, I wonder how they are really dealing with this behind the scenes. That's the real, that's where the money is, to be honest with you. That's where I would like to know how the queen is dealing with this and how his brother is dealing with this. The next one is supposed to be in line after Queen Elizabeth goes down. What's his name? Uh, Prince George. No, nah, not nah, Prince George. It was uh, Prince uh, Charles. There it is. Charles. I want to know how Charles is dealing with this because he got to look at his brother. I guarantee you he's talking to his brother probably on a daily-to-day -day basis with this. Um, if you don't know, Prince Andrew is getting a civil suit for a woman that said that when she was 17, she was at the Epstein uh, Island and she was sexually assaulted by Prince Andrew. Uh, she's suing for battery and intentional infliction of emotional distress. Uh, Virginia has claimed, has long claimed she was the victim of a sex trafficking ring uh, presided over by Epstein in which the now deceased financier, financer passed her and other victims around powerful friends and associates between 1999 and 2007. See, this again... That is nasty. I just want to make this personally clear. I ain't rock with people that do that. I can't and I won't. Once I find out that you are a nasty human being like that, I got to separate myself from you. No matter what, you probably could have been the nicest guy to me and everything else. I now look at you in a certain light. If it comes out that, yo, you were passing somebody around like they were candy to people like that. That... It doesn't make sense. How are you okay with doing that to a 17-year-old? 17-year-olds are impressionable. They will go and follow the money because they were raised up and kids are still raised up to this day now that money is everything. And if you go to uh, work or you go to a rich person's house or a rich person's job or whatever the case may be, you're trying to follow the money. You got to follow the money. So, her going to this island where nothing but celebrities and high-profile people, people are, that is something that nobody else would have thought of. Nobody else could think of it, dream of it, anything. But once that uh, proposition is brought to your attention or that it is brought to your, like, doorstep, what are you going to do? You're going to say, no, I'm not going to party with uh, a rich billionaire or somebody from the royal family. You're not going to do that. Certain people are going to say no, certain people. But then you got certain people that are going to say yes, they're going to party with them. And even when you're partying with them, you still can say, hey, yo, I'm good. I'm not going to take, I'm not going to drink. I'm just going to here to enjoy the scenery. I'm here to enjoy uh, the, just to be around individuals. While certain people might be like, nah, I want, I want to take in everything because I only live once. I'm never going to be able to party like this again. I'm never going to be able to have this experience. So let me live out this whole full entire experience. But I want to put a cautionary tale out here right now. 17-year-olds, 16-year-olds, mothers, fathers, listen to me and listen to me well. Older brothers, older brothers, uh, older brothers and older sisters, if you have younger siblings, like, 
of the age of TikTokers right now because people are still impressionable and people are able to talk to people online as we've all seen it. We've all get the Dateline 20 for 2020 like reports out here. People still getting catfished. People still getting kidnapped because they think they're talking to somebody, but they're actually not. They're probably talking to somebody that's a real creep on in online. I want you guys to be aware of who your siblings and who your children are talking to online. Again, it's a nasty, nasty, nasty world out here. Learn them the internet way. Teach them the internet. Don't just hand them the internet and walk away because now you're giving them a tool that they can enter the entire world and now the world's at their fingertips and now you expect them to learn and be respectful of the internet. No, that's not how that works. Kids are going to touch things and uh, mess around with things and they don't know what they're doing on the internet. They don't know what they're doing even in life. They're just out here just doing things. So please look after what they're doing. Please make sure you know who they're talking to. It's such a, it's such a common sense thing that I think that sometimes we forget about that. Your kid might ask for an iPhone or an iPad, you give it to them, and you're like, okay, they got an iPhone, iPad, I give them what they want because I'm a good parent, I want to make them happy, and that's what you do. Not knowing you just gave them a legit walking weapon in their hand. Because now, they can get taken, they can do such and such, they can, it's so many things online that children and younger teenagers can get themselves into, and even adults, because we've seen on television now, they even do like these shows on Dr. Phil, which I'm not sure are even true, by the way, but let's just, let's just go with it. We go, and you see Dr. Phil, like, commercials of women, elderly women, like, saying that they were engaged to a guy that they never met online, or they got uh, into a relationship with a guy that never met in person, but they only met online, and they'd be giving money off to these individuals across, like, countries and everything else. It's just weird, all right? You would think, okay, that's an easy catfish. That's an easy scam to point out, because if you have been working with the internet all your lifetime, a.k.a. moi and my younger brother and my older brothers, we've been uh, with the internet literally our whole entire life. So we grew up with the internet. We grew up with MySpace, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram when it first came out. Nobody was really popping on Instagram like that. And people were really on Twitter and all these things where Facebook was literally the place, but now Facebook is something else. You have to look at it. You have to observe what they're doing. You have to teach them the way of the internet. Because now it's much more easier for them to get nabbed up much more quicker than it was back in, say, 1990, 1980. 1990, 1980, somebody could just grab you up off the street and, you know, that's it. With no cameras, no nothing. You only can just, that's it. Now, people can nab you up by saying, hey, meet me here. You can go there, and the next thing you know, they say, well, they, she was in here at one moment, but I never seen her come out. There's different ways people can nab up somebody. And then you notice that, A.O., they're never here. They were not here. They said they were going to be here. We've seen the movies. We've seen the movies of people say they were going to be at their friend's house, but then they're not at the friend's house. We've heard of the stories. Watch over what your kid's doing because we don't want them to be nabbed up and go and get put in a sex trafficking ring or be a drug mule against their will if you 
if that happens to certain individuals. I'm not sure that it happens to a lot of individuals. I know sex trafficking happens a lot. And they usually go after, like, young girls. I don't hear about the dudes as much, but I probably could be wrong. There probably are some dudes getting sex trafficking out here, too. But most commonly, we always hear about the girls. But point being, it's nasty. It's nasty. It's disgusting. Please, God, watch over your people. I wish people would watch over the people back in them back in that time. But hey, we only can look at it and say we wish we could have did better. And that's about it. So with it being now the case that we have it now, please watch over who your kids are talking to. Please watch over what they're looking at. Please, for the love of God, look at what they're doing and make sure so they you know who they're talking to for one. Two, make sure that you know exactly what they're on because again, kids are deceptive. Kids can easily manipulate parents to say, I'm on this or I'm doing this, and they can easily fugazi an app because certain apps had uh, disguises. I remember one point you can literally have an app that you're supposed that you're on look like a calculator and you got to type in some numbers and then it like that little calculator front would be swiped away and you're on the app that you were really on. That was put on like entered like the television what a couple years ago, like a couple with mad years ago. They showed that app up to adults. But again, please watch over what your kids are doing. Please, because I don't want nobody to have an experience like this woman had where she happened to be on an island with some rich people and she thought she just party, and then next thing you know, oh, I'm in a sex trafficking ring now. And I can't get out. That's a problem. So, again, we're going to have to see what happens with Prince Andrew. He's more or less going to have to cough up some money because I see this is more or less going to happen, especially with America's justice system. We're going to be in America's court of opinions. If it was in England, then I could probably say, yeah, he probably wouldn't get nothing. But since he's in America and this is going to happen in New York, yeah, he's going to be paying something. So, again, uh, I'm going to be watching that with a close eye. But, again, parents... Brothers, sisters, older siblings that know the internet, watch over what your siblings are doing, and parents, watch over what your kids are doing as well on the internet. Now to the next subject, matter at hand. Uh, this is New York Mayor Eric Adams. He uh, faces nepotism claims after it was reported he appointed his brother to a $240,000 New York Police Department uh, job. As this article reads, uh, New York Mayor Eric Adams has tapped his brother for a high-level job in the New York City Police Department, raising questions regarding potential conflicts of interest, according to reports. Bernard Adams, a retired police officer, will oversee governmental affairs in his role as a deputy police commissioner with the NYPD, the New York Post reported. The job comes with a salary of around $240,000, the Daily Beast said. He most recently worked as an assistant director of operations for parking at the medical campus of Virginia Commonwealth Universities, according to his LinkedIn page. After retiring from the NYPD in 2006, he left the police department after 20 years of service, the Daily Mail reported. See, I... Mm, here's my deal with this. Haven't we seen people give other people jobs that you might say he probably isn't qualified for. If, <clears throat> I can't, listen, I can't be wrong. I can't, I can't, I can't. I cannot see nothing wrong with this. I don't. He's qualified. 
Think about it. He has 20 years of police service. 20 years of it. And his brother happens to be the mayor of New York City. His brother is a retired police officer. Hey, I'm going to tap my brother. Hey, we're going to keep the money in our family. Hey, put him in that spot. We've seen it. I have seen nepotism at its finest. Here's, here's a low-level nepotism here, which technically isn't low-level when you really want to think about it, but I'll let you be the judge of this if you call this low-level or high-level. I went to school, and I'm in a small town, and there will be parents, there happen to be teachers there, and their children happen to go to school there. Now, I don't think I should tell you how this works, but I'll give you more. Somehow, certain children will happen to... Uh, be top of the class, if you will, in the top class ranking. But if you have conversations with them, they're not the brightest uh, individuals. And you will question and wonder how on God's green did this kid get a higher grade than I did? And you might say, Joe, that's petty. That's, that's jealousy that you have. You don't know just because they're not, they can't talk correct or they don't know how to communicate with somebody. That doesn't mean they're not smart. But take what I said at the beginning. Their parent was a teacher here at the school that their child went to. Now, that's nepotism at its finest. You could easily, and I mean extremely easily, up your kid's grade if you feel like it. And you could talk to other teachers, if you will, about your child. It's easy to be done. It could easily be done. There has been multitudes of times where I question, how can a parent be here while their kid be here? Matter of fact, to be truly honest with you, I didn't see a problem with it because I thought, okay, cool, that's what happens. But then my mother brought it to my attention and said, hold up, who who's this? And I said, who the, the, that who, I said the person's name. And then I would say, oh, that's, uh, that's this, uh, teacher's kid. Mom's, my mother would look at me, hold up. The, their parent is a teacher to the school? I said, yeah. She said, when I went to school, that never happened. As a matter of fact, if a kid's parent was a teacher, they would have to go in two separate directions. The kid, the parent would have to teach at a different school than the kid would go to the opposite school, if you will. So, say for example, uh, Myrtle Beach. My parent is a teacher, and I go to one of the Myrtle Beach schools. I cannot go to the same school that my parent is teaching at, so I have to go to a different school. You understand? I didn't know that was an issue until my mother brought it up, and then I studied, and she started talking about it, and then I realized that. Yeah, I can see how that would be a problem. And then I start really getting into my angry bag and I start getting really angry. And I start thinking, you know what? Your parent can easily talk to another teacher because there's a teacher's lounge for a reason. And they can figure out, okay, what's wrong? Why isn't my kid getting the right grade? Da 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 da. -da. What do they got to do? The special privileges that regular kids won't be able to get while a teacher's child will be able to get those special privileges. AKA as in, I'll come in late or I'll come in extra early to take a test that I failed on or a quiz that I failed on or I can get extra uh, study material or 
And I'm not saying it happened, but maybe you can get the answers for a certain test or quiz. And uh, it makes that kid's life way much more easier. I have seen nepotism. And reading this, yes, it's nepotism. Yeah, sure, it's nepotism. But the guy has the skills and the years to back it up. So I'm not truly like in the realm of saying, oh my God, that's wrong. He's doing something wrong, yada, yada, yada. Because critics have suggested that uh, this was a breach of conflict of interest rules. One person said New Yorkers expect that uh, public servants are hired based on their unique qualifications and not because they are the mayor's brother. Uh, one person said that, matter of fact, a Susan Lerner, the executive director of the government watchdog Common Cause in New York, said in an email to the Daily News, it's unclear whether a waiver from the Conflict of Interest Board will be required for this appointment, she added. Even with the waiver, the appointment of the mayor's close relative does not inspire public confidence. See, people don't like it. And I can understand why. I can understand exactly why New York isn't feeling it, why New York, uh, why New York individuals wouldn't like it. I can understand it. I'm not crazy. Again, it's nepotism. But again, he has the years to back it up. I can't be too upset about that. Truly, I can't. I've seen and we've heard about people getting booked because that's their buddy's uh, friend. That's my buddy. So I'm getting him a job here, even though he ain't got no qualification to even work here. And then you, as a person that should have got that promotion, now you probably got to train this person to do the job that you were supposed to get. We've heard about those type of stories too. So again, I'm not mad at Eric Adams giving his brother a job. I'm not mad at that. He has 20 years of experience. Yeah, sure, it's his brother. But guess what? He has the years to back it up. So yeah, sure, blame it on nepotism. But guess what? If his job requires him to have some more experience and he's overly eclipsed that experience, who am I to get mad at that? Truly, I can't be mad at that. But anyway, you take that for what you want. You can do more digging. That's just my personal opinions on that. On to the next topic, and it's talking about the man that got uh, the pig heart transplants. If you haven't figured it out and you haven't heard, there was a guy that got a uh, genetically modified pig heart transplanted, trans, uh, plant in his body that took out his old heart and put the pig heart in. So now he is now fine. There's been no problems so far. And... This isn't newsworthy to me. The newsworthy part is this, what I'm about to tell you, because this is coming from the Washington Post. As the title reads, he once stabbed a man seven times. Now he's a pig heart transplant pioneer. In the article, it gives the man's name. His name was David Bennett Sr. Uh, he's, the sec he's the exact same man who was convicted of a stabbing in 1988 of an Edward Shoemaker and he stabbed Edward and left him paralyzed, okay? Edward was paralyzed for the next 19 years in a wheelchair before he had a stroke in 2005 and died two years later, one week before his 41st birthday. And his sister having to talk about how the family had to deal with the devastation and the trauma for years and years. And Bennett, the man, had, was able to get out of prison and he having to live a good life. And this is coming from uh, Edward's sister, Leslie Downey, in the article. Here's my deal with this. 
I have no problem with somebody getting a heart transplant because they even went on to say more than 106 Americans on the national waiting list for an organ transplant and 17 people die each day, never receiving the organ they need. In the face of such shortage, it can seem unconscionable to some families that those convicted of violent crimes will be given a life-saving procedure so many desperately needed. As the article reads, but most doctors don't share that view. There are no laws or regulations prohibiting someone with a criminal history from receiving a transplant or an experimental procedure like the one Bennett had. The key principle in medicine is to treat anyone who is sick regardless of who they are, said Arthur Kaplan, a bioethics professor at New York City University. We are not in the business of sorting sins from saints. Crime is a legal matter. Here's my thing with this, all right? I can understand exactly why Leslie would be upset with the guy that stabbed her brother multiple times. Well, seven times. And left him paralyzed. Would be upset that he was the one that happened to get the heart transplants. I get it. You will understand exactly why, because that's the person that you hold responsible for basically your sibling dying, a person in your family dying, and now he gets to live out his life with a body part that a lot of people needs, but just to find out that he is the one that gets it, or she, in certain instances for certain individuals, get that body part, it's upsetting, because your sibling, your family member, didn't get that opportunity to live out their rest of their full life. They got their life taken away because of what somebody else did. Matter of fact, the aftermath of what somebody else did to them. And the family has to deal with constantly a reminder of, hey, my person's not here, but now they got to deal with the extra added notice that your uh, sibling's assailant, his victimizer, was given the opportunity to continue living his life by getting a transplant. It would make me fully upset. I would be fuming. I would be angry. I would be pissed if somebody were to kill one of my siblings and then somehow they need uh what? They need a new eye or something, and then come out he gets the eye that science has been like genetically modified, and now he can see out of that eye. So now he got two eyes again. Yo, dog, I would be pissed. I would be really fuming. Of all people in this whole world, it had to be that person. And I know that's how that I know that's how she's feeling out of everybody in the world. You pick this one. This one happened to be the guy. Just what happens, yes. And people are going to pick the side. Well, he did uh pay his debt to society because he went to jail for his crime and he got out. So hey, he's earned a second chance. You could say that as a bystander because he didn't affect your family. But once somebody affects your family, your whole complete emotional, uh, your complete emotional mainframe is going to be completely warped whenever you hear a story like this. You're going to be more on the side of the victim's side more than the person that did something to somebody else's side that ends up getting the transplant. You're going to be with the family that says, how dare science give this guy or this female an opportunity to continue living their life? 
because they took something away from my family. They took something away from me. I would know. I know that. I know that because I know humans. I know human emotions. If you care for someone enough, if you were born around them enough, well, not enough. If you were born with them, you were raised around them, if they didn't treat you like garbage, if they treated you well, you're going to question. You're going to question if something happens to them. You're going to question why. Why did it happen to this person? For this issue right here, with the man getting a new heart and him with his criminal past towards somebody else, I understand exactly why she would be upset. I do. I'm not going to lie and sugarcoat it, but this is where our dilemma comes in. When you are a doctor, you don't think of none of this stuff. You don't think of none of it. You think of it, okay, this is a person that needs a transplant. This is a person that needs to get fixed up and take, get a bullet out, yada, yada, yada. You do what you got to do because you took that hippo, that uh, oath of a doctor, oath that we all have heard of, of they are here to give the person medicine. They're here to save their life as much as they can and all this yada, 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 that gibberish. But is it truly true, though? Because now I'm about to kind of change this up a little bit. Because I remember in 2021, towards the middle of the year, towards the end of the year, August era, August, July, we get people and celebrities and even doctors coming out saying that if you don't have the vaccine, and you happen to get sick, we're not going to do nothing for you. We're going to let you die. Because you have the opportunity to get the shot. You have the opportunity to get the vaccine, right? Now, people might say, Joe, that goes underneath the whole, hey, we'll do what we can to save you. Because what we're doing is we're telling you to get the vaccine, get the shot, get the booster. That is one way to save you from if you get the COVID, well, if you get COVID, not the COVID, but if you get COVID, that shot and that booster will help you and your body and do what it's supposed to do. You won't become as deathly ill as you would be if you didn't have the shot. Let me just make that perfectly clear. That's what they're telling everybody, and they still tell that to this day. Now, as I just read from a doctor here, he says it's their duty to treat anyone who is sick, regardless of who they are. So, here's why I start questioning things. Because if that's the issue, if that's the stance of what doctors are supposed to do, that means they're supposed to treat somebody who happens to not want to get the vaccine and not want to get the booster. So everything of what doctors and said late 2021, they went against their duty as a doctor. That went against it. They're supposed to help them no matter what. Well, says right here, medicine is to treat anyone who is sick regardless of who they are. We are not in the business of sorting, of sorting sinners from saints. Crime is a legal matter. Getting the vaccine is not a legal matter. Well, technically it is now because, well, you can't go to work if you don't have a vaccine in a certain job and occupation. Certain people don't even hold that up. But getting to the point here, 
I'm just trying to figure this out, how we as people, we cherry pick things. We cherry pick a lot of things. We do. We cherry pick who we get mad at. We cherry pick who can do what and such and such and blah, blah, blah. We cherry pick a lot of things. So with this situation, and it kind of ties in with the COVID situation too, what do we do? Do we get upset at doctors for giving this person a transplant when they need one? Do we get upset at doctors not wanting to save somebody whenever they know they can? What do we do? Do we get upset at someone for not wanting to get the vaccine? Do we get upset at doctors for giving the person that doesn't want to get the vaccine an opportunity to live? And do we call that person stupid? What do we do? As humans and as society, what do we do? We cherry pick everything. What do we do as a community? What do we do as a society? I know what we're doing. We're uh, condemning the people that don't want to get the COVID, uh, not COVID, uh, the vaccine shots and the boosters. We're condemning them. But I think people are more on that wave of now because a lot of things are stupid, especially with people uh, now being authorized to say, hey, yo, you only got to be like inside your house isolated for five days and then you got to wear the mask for the other five days if you happen to test negative for COVID, even if you got, well, if you have the vaccine and the booster. But if you don't have the vaccine and you don't have the booster, you got to stay home for the complete 10 days. We cherry pick what we want to do in this world. We do. It's just crazy to me how we cherry pick things. I think there should be a steady model for a lot of things. For this, I think that, you know what, A, when there's medicine, you uh, you heal everybody that you can heal. It's not preordained that you can heal everybody. But you're going to heal as much people as you can. But with the public outrage, because she's going to have outrage because she's uh, within her right, Miss Downey, she's within her right to be upset at a Mr. Bennett to be getting this another opportunity to live Continue living, if you will. She's in her right to get upset about this. But as medical professions, you should be wanting to treat everyone, whether they have COVID, don't have COVID, got the shot, don't have the shot. It's in your profession to treat and train, not train, but treat everyone. Treat them. You have no other choice. It's part of your profession. You can't just throw your hands up and say, well, you got you don't got the shot. I can't do nothing for you. Yeah, you can. You can figure something else out. You can try to do something else. But we can't do that because you don't got the vaccine. Yo, dog, we're going to cut that. Stop it. It's in your profession. You have to do what you have to do because you it's in your profession. You have to treat everybody with medicine. You got to do it. So with that, I understand exactly why Miss uh, Downey's upset. But doctors are doctors. They're going to treat who they got to treat. And with this man, he... Happens to be one of the lucky ones that happened to get pulled and uh, he got the heart transplant. I can't say nothing more, nothing less. I just feel for the Downey family for having to read that and probably bring up old memories for them. That's the only thing I do know. I I want to know what everybody else thinks. Would you be upset by somehow, just out of nowhere, the person that caused your family trauma and 
made somebody in your family get lost, somebody, and they having a need of transplant, they get it. Would you be upset by this? You probably would, but I just want to know, would you be upset by this? Just take a couple minutes just to think about that and you come up with your own ideas on it. Anyway, on to another topic, and this is all about uh, Kanye West. Kanye was uh, driving around Saturday, yesterday. I don't know if it's on Instagram Live or something, have you. Uh, he was talking about how he was wishing his daughter, Chicago, a happy birthday. And he talked about how he didn't get to, he wasn't given the location for Chicago's birthday. He goes on a whole tangent on Instagram and come to find out some hours later, because TMZ happens to get everything as they do with everything. They happen to get the news. Uh, Kanye ends up showing up at Chicago's birthday and they have a photo of Kanye and Chris talking right there on their like front page of TMZ. Uh, a source tells TMZ that Kim will, that Kanye was supposed to have Chicago all to himself at 4 p.m. today. So when he started rallying about not being invited to her birthday party with the Kardashians, Kim was surprised, as we're told. They previously discussed hosting two separate events for her, and she thought Kanye would be doing exactly that upon picking her up. In any case, he's there now and even chatting up with his mother-in-law, Chris, in what looks to be a somewhat cordial setting. See, here's my deal. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. Listen here. You guys, and I'm talking to Kim and Kanye here. You guys are going through some type of divorce. It's happening. I know it's been reported that Kanye wants to make it right with his wife, Kim, even though he's out here with uh, the Julia Fox chick, the white woman, well, the, yeah, the white chick from uh, Uncut Gems, which people know her from that, and Pete Davidson's out here with, uh, no, Pete Davidson's out here with Kim Kardashian, and they're always photographed with each other, and it looks like Kim is so happy with Pete, and now we're starting to get photos of Kanye out here with Julia. Here's my thing with this. You guys are setting a real food gazy standard for your children here. And what I mean by that is this. Somehow, someway, you and Kim, whether it be some big social event or whatever the case may be, you guys are always seeing like you guys are posting photos literally together as a family with your children. Now, people will say, Gerald, that just happens to be co-parenting. It's okay. It's fine. It's not fine. I'm going to be blunt with you. It's not. Kanye West is a guy that still is trying to fight for his family. But people will say, Joe, how can he do that? Because he has a girlfriend. Well, he could be using the exact same media games that the Kardashian family is playing. The Kardashian families are known for doing media games. They're known for having uh, paparazzi follow them around, get photos of them where they're at a restaurant or in a hotel or they're on vacation somewhere. Somehow the photographer just happens to get a nice good snapshot of the Kardashians. Somehow it's weird, right? He happens to get wind of Kim having a birthday party. He goes off. He's not going off the rails. He's just saying how the Kardashians are not giving him a location. So Kanye West has to go to Instagram and say that I'm not going to let the narrative be spinned saying that I don't care about my daughter, and yada, yada, yada. You get the drift. Black man, black man, my family's all 
I I love my family. I love my daughter. Nobody's going to try to take that and implant it in her head that I don't love my daughter and embed that into her. They're not going to do that. This video will live basically in infamy because if you have a video on the internet, best belief, it's going to stay on the internet. There's no way you're going to be able to erase it or whatever. There's always going to be one person that has saved all your videos and they're just waiting to just throw them out for whenever they need to throw it out. Just want to throw that out to everybody too. That's the way that Kanye was thinking and moving around that Saturday before he got to the birthday party and somehow somebody gave him the information. Here's my thing. The media follows the Kardashians. We know how their games work. Kanye is able to play those exact same games as the Kardashians. Think about it. Everybody that the Kardashians, well, majority Kim has dated, they haven't done these exact games that the Kardashians were able to play. Reggie Bush, he didn't do the games. Chris Humphreys, he didn't do the games. I believe immediately after that, she Kim was by herself until she got with Kanye West, and then now Kanye and her were together. They were always together. They were photographered out. She was in designer stuff, and yada, yada, yada. That was Splitsville. She's out here with Pete Davidson. They're getting photographs at a... Uh, they got photographed on a ride down, like I believe, like a water ride or something. Then they get photographed uh, at somebody's house wearing pajamas. Then they get photographed walking towards a restaurant or walking towards a car. They get photographed inside a car. They get photographed on a, on a beach. Kanye West mind frame, his mind. Ayo, I want my family. You know what it is. Why y'all playing with me like this? I don't play these internet games. I don't play these media games. But since we're doing this, fine, I'm going to do it. This is exactly what goes through Kanye's mind. If you, if we're going to do this whole media game, fine. I can do the exact same way, but I'm going to do it better. So what does Kanye do? He buys a house literally across the street from Kim Kardashian. And he comes to lay it out to Jason Lee on Hollywood Unlocked. He talks about how he's not going to be restricted from time with his daughter or his children. He's going to be with them. He's not going to be restricted. There's nobody that's going to restrict them. There's nobody that's going to separate him from his kids. And he talked about how his mother uh, took him as a child away from his father because his father was in Atlanta and his mother took him to Chicago and that his father didn't go to the rough side of Chicago and everything because he was focused on his career. And Kanye talked about how now... He has all this money and everything else that he's not really worried about his career like that. He has it all planned out around his children, being around his children. So he buys a house next, well, across the street from Kim. It's a teardown house, so he's going to build up a bigger house and a better house so his kids can be there. Next thing you know, he's on, he's dating Julia Fox. There's photos of him uh, doing a having Julia Fox basically doing a fashion show inside of a room with nothing but designer clothes. And they say that he did this exact same thing with Kim Kardashian. So if Kim were to pick up wind of this and hear about the photos and everything, that can get her a little bit jealous because again, he's playing the media right to in his hands to go against Kim Kardashian and the Kardashian family. Then the next thing that we know is we hear about him at a restaurant with Julia Fox and they're getting all touchy-feely. So now it seems that Julia Fox happens to be his new main squeeze. So now Kanye is fully immersed in media. He's fully immersed in playing these exact same social media games with 
Julia Fox and using that to get at Kim as Kim is using Pete Davidson to get at Kanye. Now, people might say, Kim might like Pete Davidson, like really like Pete. Shoot, that might be in a, that might be true. But I'm going off the optics of it probably isn't. That's just me. I don't know Pete. I don't know how he uh, gets all these women. Think about it. Pete has something. Pete has something that he was able to get all these women. He had Ariana Grande. He had another woman that Hollywood deems fine and attractive. And then next thing you know, he gets Kim Kardashian. He probably had another chick somewhere in the middle between the one that he broke off with to Kim Kardashian. I don't know. But Pete has something. Women love Pete Davidson, and that is what it is what it is to that. I can't hate Pete Davidson because I don't know Pete Davidson. I don't know how he gets down with all these women, but he's able to get them. All respects. Nothing but. But I want to give Pete Davidson some advice here. I want him to pay attention to Kanye West's new like track that he has with the game because in that track, because I listened to it, he talked about how he says that God saved him from the crash so just so he can beat Pete Davidson's, well, ass, if you will. Yeah, right here. God saved me from the crash just so I could beat Pete Davidson's ass. And then it has an ad lib saying who in the exact same breath as that. Literally as he says it. So this tells you that Kanye is still not playing the whole Pete Davidson being used for the media games with Kim. He ain't feeling it. He knows how the Kardashians, he knows how the publicists, he knows how that whole family works because he was in that whole complete Hollywood mega like entertainment family for a couple of years. So he knows exactly how they work and get down. Kanye is not the one to be played with. I'll say this again. Kanye West is not the ones to be played with. So I would suggest this. Either Kim talks to Kanye personally, and I mean just have a legit sit down one-on-one with each other and say, listen, we're not getting back together. We're not doing this. It's not happening. We're always going to be family. I'm going to show up to your events with the kids because the kids love you and I have some love for you as a parent love, but not romance love. Kim could have probably already done this and Kanye is still just trying to fight her to get her back. I don't know this. I don't know. I only can go off of what has been pertained to the media and what has been pertained out here and showcased to the world. And what has been showcased is Kanye is uh, trying to fight back the exact same media monster that the Kardashians are able to use and throw out every single time. I don't know what it is between this. I just know that Kanye West is not the one to be played with like that. So I hope Kim and Kanye are able to figure this thing out between the two. Like, truly, I hope they figure this thing out. And by the way, I would suggest you to listen to the track, too. It's called uh, My Life Was Never Easy. It's the game in Kanye West. It's a good uh, track. I suggest you really listen to it. I'm not going to lie. The beat's nice. The game's on it for, like, a good couple minutes. But then the rest of the track is nothing but Kanye West taking over. So listen to it. And before I get you guys out of here, I want to talk about Maya Angelou becoming the first black woman to appear on the U.S. quarter. Earlier this week, it was announced by the U.S. Mint uh, that five pioneering American women will appear on the first run of the American Woman Quarters program. And it's supposed to have images of important, prominent 
women in American history on the back of select quarters. It is supposed to start at the beginning of this uh, year. The first woman is supposed to be Maya Angelou. Uh, the other women are astronaut Sally Ride. She was the first American woman in space. Anna Mae Wong, the first Chinese-American film star in Hollywood. Cherokee native leader Wilma Mankiller. And politician Nina Otero Warner, who was the first Hispanic woman to run for U.S. Congress. All these coins are supposed to roll out by the end of the, by later this year and through 2025. I see this as a good thing. Good will a gesture. Why not have certain women on the back of a quarter? That's cool to do. I mean, it's cool. It makes the quarter more fancier and plus it's going to make it more. Uh, I believe in the future people are going to want to want to have those quarters. I believe that because you're going to have people collecting quarters as people do now. But I believe you're also going to have people just want to collect uh, certain historical things in American history. And I believe these quarters are going to be part of that situation. I believe these first legitimate five women on the back of quarters are going to be part of those things that certain American uh, people, certain collectors will want to have in their possession. So look for that if you want. I would suggest... Probably about mm, August, all five of these quarters are going to be out. And if not August, probably like June. June being the earliest, August being the latest. That's my rough guess for this. But again, I'm happy for it. Why not? We're going to get some women on the back of a quarter. I'm still looking forward to a black woman or a black man being on a dollar bill one day. I can't wait for it. But until then, we're going to get my Angelou on the back of a 25 cent on back of a quarter, and I'll take what I can get, and that's just one win for the black delegation. I'm cool with that. Now, with all that being said, I want to thank you all for listening to this episode, and let me get you guys out of here. Let me give you my social media links. On Twitter, you can find me at at my two podcast. Instagram, my two cents podcast. G two. Email me. My email is my two cents pod at yahoo.com. And this email is open for anybody. If you want to say, hey, you're an idiot. If you want to say, hey, you didn't cover this. Or, hey, you missed some information about this. Or, hey, I got a topic for you to talk about. And this email is the perfect uh, email to basically tell me. Also, if you ever, and I mean ever, want to talk to me about anything. Whether you be depressed, uh, sad, happy, just in your emotions about something. I'm here. I don't want nobody to ever transition out of here on their own free will. For the love of God, if you just feel down in the dumps, please talk to me before you think about that. Before you even commit that act, please just email me. Please. I always check my email. I check my email daily. So best believe your email will be sought out and it will be looked at. Please just email me. Um, I want to thank Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbeam, Amazon Music, and Audible. I want to thank these uh, streaming platforms for letting me continue to still be who I am and let me do what I do. Because again, they can easily kick me off if they feel like it, and I'm glad they haven't. So thank you for that. Now, with all that being said, always remember. I want to thank you all for listening. This isn't goodbye. This is until you hear from the sweet sounding voice again. I have been G2, he is I, and I am him. I love you all. If you haven't had a chance, check out my yesterday's episode of Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And if you have, thank you. If you haven't, check it out. Um, 
I will be back again next Sunday with another edition of my Sunday episodes where I talk about anything in a news topic or just things I just want to get off my chest or just talk about. And I want to thank everybody for listening and tuning in. And with that, thank you. Have a great Sunday. Please be safe out there. It's still dangerous out here on these roads. Please be safe. Please get to your destinations and make it back home safely, please, for love of God. And also, please be kind to one another. You don't know what somebody's dealing with, so let's not be pricks. Let's be uh, cordial to people. But with all that being said, I want everybody to have a good Sunday. I want to spread light, some love, positivity. Please say a prayer for yourself and your family as you go about your day-to-day operations this week. And just have a good week. Now, with all that being said, Kanye, can you please take these people home? I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.